Morning. Morning, morning. Hey, can I just, would you give me the freedom just to just echo one of those announcements, if you don't mind? Um, Mark from the Lake Zurich Triathlon is here today, um, and it's just been a blast getting to know Mark. He actually oversees that, puts that on, makes sure that happens. Uh, and we're just a few people short, uh, especially on the bike course. Now, again, my family, we go out and we stand on the bike course. We'll be there this, uh, this coming weekend on Sunday, screaming at the top of our lungs for those that are coming by. That's all you have to do. Can anybody in here scream? That's all, see, and so that's all you have to do is you stand on the, on the course and you're just there to help people know where to go and scream at them and tell them to keep going because I've done it before and you just don't want to keep going. It's part of it. And so if you've got some time, again, we're not going to do an early service at nine. So there's plenty of time. We're actually providing um, breakfast for all the volunteers early that morning. We're going to do a breakfast tent. Uh, but Mark is out there uh, in Orange Corner. And would you, if you've got some time and you have yet to say, man, I'm, I'm in, would you go out to see Mark and say, I'd love to help out? I said, what if we have too many? He goes, it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and so too many is great as well. That cool? Yeah. Good. Awesome. Um, we're in this, this series, Mixtape, and um, this is just a, a, a shout out to, to the old folks in the room, <laughs> myself included. How many of you remember the days of Mixtape? Right? Yeah. You get all your favorite songs on a tape, tape, not scotch tape, a tape. It was, what was it? Oh, it was. That's true. But not like the sticky, but the, you know what I'm saying. Don't make me over explain. We'll go late again. Tape. And you'd put your favorite songs and somebody that really cared about you would give it to you or you'd give it to somebody you really cared about. and It was all your favorite songs and it had some kind of, you know, theme on it, or it was just really good music. Tapes, you know, where you had to fast forward or rewind. You know what I'm talking about. Just wanted, just some relevancy for the older crowd in the room to go, I'm with you. The younger crowd's like, what? Like, what? I know. Okay, spoiled. Anyway, seriously, nowadays, kids with phones and everything are like, hey, it's not, I mean, what? It's like, give it a second, because it's going outer space and back, and so leave us alone. We had to actually dial the number and then wait. And then dial, and then wait. Okay, can you believe how far we've come? So this idea of mixtape is that we're just going to throw some ideas at you through that, through the summer here. There's just some mixed thoughts of what we just believe God is wanting to, to say to His church, and we're just holding real loosely and listening and saying, God, what do you want to say? And um, so I don't know what I'm going to talk about today. I'm just kind of waiting still. <laughs> so we're like, God's just like that with me too. I don't know. I feel like um, these are going to probably be some of our best opportunities to hear what God is saying. Here's how I know that. This morning, um, I woke up, and this, I wouldn't say this happens all the time, but this happened today in a way I've never experienced it. I woke up, and right off the bat, the first thought in my head was a lie, and I know the enemy put it there. The enemy of my soul. I woke up, and it was the, I mean, I wasn't even getting my eyes adjusted. I hadn't even given myself a chance to think of something better. The first thought when I woke up was, you're a hypocrite. And I just went, what? Wow. It's going to be a good Sunday. And I'm like, man, it was just like this sense of you're going to share this message and you're not even living it. And how dare you get up and talk about it? And I just went, well, evidently you haven't been listening to what I've been saying to the people. The people, um, they know that I'm not perfect. You guys know that, right? We figured that out a long time ago. We've been together a while. I am not perfect. 
I struggle like you struggle, right? I have bad days like you have bad days. Just because somebody gets up here on this stage and shares something doesn't mean they have it all together. Here's why. If we limited, if I limited, I'm going to say it again and I'll say it a bunch more times if you stick around at Alpine. If I limit myself to what I'm living right as the only thing I can talk about, it's a short list. (laughs) Some of you are really struggling right now with this. You're like, huh, I thought you had this figured out. I'm figuring stuff out like you. God is teaching me things like you. And man, the enemy hit me right in the head this morning. And I just, you know, faster than I've ever been able to, I put that lie to rest. And that's the power that we have in Christ. I said, you know what? That's, you're, you're full of it because I'm a child of God and I'm not a hypocrite. I'm his kid. Leave me alone. And that's what we've got to do because, man, and that's how I knew today was going to be one of those messages. That, and, and so it's a wake-up call. Okay, let me tell you what I mean by a wake-up call, all right, just so we're on the same page. This morning, uh, my son had a couple guys spending the night, and I, my daughter was up. She gets up at 6, and we leave the house at 7, and it's about a quarter till 7. I said, hey, go down and wake up the boys. And so she goes down, she comes back up, and I go, did you wake them up? She goes, yeah. There's no movement. There's no noise. There's no, and I'm like, what'd you do? She goes, I turned the light on and said, get up. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to most churches in our culture today. Sometimes this one included. So I went down. And I, I jerked the blankets off those boys, right? And I said, time to get up! You guys want to go or not? Just like with that intensity. That's a wake-up call we're talking about this morning. We need the blankets jerked off of us, a little, bit of, a little bit of intensity, so that our eyes pop open and everybody in the room knows we, you, were, you got the message. There was movement after that. And I believe with all my heart, and this is for me too, I'm not telling you something I'm not w- willing to hear myself and that God isn't preaching right back at me. This is a wake-up call and God's going to try to jerk the blankets off of us. And give us a strong message. And so this message has a title. I don't often have titles. I, I kind of let you figure out a title. And if it's a good title for you, then you take that truth home and mull over it. But this is a title. I've got a title for this message. I've really been working on this title. And it's an important title. And you want to know what it is? Like the title of what this kind of whole thing I want it to be about is this thing right here. And I'm, I'm serious about it. And so I want to tell it to you with the intensity and, and the, the tone that I want you to receive it in. So, so it's got to come across that way. So will you allow me to do that? Give you the, the title with the intensity um, that, I, that I think that if Jesus was, was saying it, he would say it in. So I want to give you this title of this message that I think is needing you to be wide awake. Um, you want to know what it is? See, I'm wait- yeah, I'm waiting on you just to get to that point. Because you, do you have that feeling of, tell me the title, <laughs> Right? Everybody's awake, everybody's leaning in. You're like, I want to hear the title. Okay? Here's the title. I'm going to say it with the intensity that I want you to hear it, right? Driving some of you nuts right now. Here it is. This is the title. With the intensity. Give it back! Okay, now that's not anger. I want you to hear. I want you to understand. This is not anger. This is probably the same intensity that you've heard in your home. Go Cubs! 
This is probably the same intensity that when your kid, when they were little and didn't know the rules, was running towards the road and there was a car coming and you were saying, stop! That intensity. You're not angry at your kid that's running towards the road. But out of love and desire for them, you're yelling. And in that same way, I want you to hear today through this whole message, give it back! That's what I need you to hear. That's what I need you to capture. Because for many of us, we don't know just how much God is absolutely crazy about us. Whether you follow Jesus or not in this room today, whether you've made a decision for him or you have, he absolutely adores you. And there is no shadow he won't light up. And there is no mountain he won't climb up coming after you. That he is a God who pursues. And he is in pursuit of you whether you've made a decision to follow him or not. He is pursuing There is no wall he won't kick down and there is no lie, thank God, this morning laying in my bed that he would not tear down coming after me. And I can only put that lie to rest because I know it's truth. And so, give it back and keep giving it back is what we need to hear today. We're gonna go to Isaiah, we're gonna go to the Old Testament. We're gonna go to uh, chapter 61 Verses 1 through 7, so if you need some time to get there, um, I'm going to give you that. But I want you to hear this. Isaiah is probably the one book in the Old Testament that prophesies the most about the Messiah, Jesus. So if you get into Isaiah, you'll see Jesus talked about a lot in the book of Isaiah. As a matter of fact, Jesus actually quotes Isaiah in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, as himself being the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah 61. And he also describes in Isaiah, uh, in great detail, the blessings of the future kingdom of the Messiah. Not the kingdom that was then, but the kingdom that would come when the Messiah came and Jesus came and said, the kingdom of God is what? Near. And from that moment on, as followers of Jesus, we have the freedom and the opportunity to experience that kingdom now. Isaiah talks about it. Isaiah talks about us. He talks about Christ's mission. So if you'd stand with me this morning as we open up to Isaiah chapter 61, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 7 and maybe comment a little bit in the midst of it. The first three verses Jesus quotes in Luke chapter 4. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, (laughs) the oil of gladness instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair or heaviness. They will be called oaks. Man, just picture a beautiful oak tree. Big and majestic. They will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of their own splendor. No. For the display of his splendor. Oh boy. And when we get that right. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. 
Aliens will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. And you will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. (laughs) And so they will inherit a double portion in their land. And everlasting joy will be theirs. Talking about us. So God, in this moment, I pray you would open our hearts. I pray you would eliminate distractions. And I pray that you would wake us up to hear exactly what it is that you're wanting to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we start here, um, let me just say this. I grew up in the church. Uh, My parents were followers of Christ. They were Christians. We were raised that way. When the doors were open, we were in church. Um, that's just how it went. We went to church on Sunday morning. We were there till about two o'clock. We went home, got a little nap. We were back by six o'clock because church was starting every Sunday night. We were at church on Wednesdays. We were at church during prayer meetings. My parents were the janitors of the church. We were there all the time. I'm 48 years old. I know I don't look it. So you're like, you're right. I was going to say 50, 48 years old. And I have no idea. And please hear me. I'm admitting something. I have no idea how this truth has eluded me for so long. Matter of fact, I would say that the way in which I was raised probably added to the inability of me to hear it. And for many of us, we have a picture of God that isn't God. And you hate when people misrepresent you. We must begin to hate when we misrepresent God. And God, I think, is breaking into Alpine Chapel and wanting to reveal a picture of who he really is. And as he does that, we will discover who we really are. And as a result, we will start loving like we've never loved. And you'll discover that by your lack of gossip. You'll stop gossiping because it's just not important anymore. You'll stop hating because it's just not who we are. You'll stop thinking of just yourself because we have better things to do with our time. When we get a better picture of God. And so the key word in this passage um, is actually not restoration. I think for many of us, as we look at this, we know that the context here of this passage is restoration for God's people, not just Israel, but all who would believe. And so verses one through three, Jesus' mission is announced years and years before Jesus actually confirms it in Luke chapter four. And then in four through seven, God's promise of restoration comes. God is at work in the historical events of that day to bring a glorious restoration, and he's announcing it, and he's proclaiming it through the prophet Isaiah. But the key word isn't restoration. It's not the word we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on a word that shows up five times, and it's the word instead. Now, this is a word that I've been processing as a result of just God leading me to different different things that are influencing me at this period in my life, and this word is coming alive to me. The word means in place of, it's as an alternative to, it's a substitute instead. And it's important for us to process this and understand this. Um, Instead is set up against five negatives. So we see the word instead five times against five negatives. When you look at this passage, instead of that, God is saying, I want you to have this. This is going to set us free today. This is about freedom today for us who follow Jesus. This is probably a a greater understanding of what it means to leave religion behind, what we attempt to do to earn God, 
and allow us to step into a relationship with God where Jesus has done everything that needs to be done. What we need to do is learn to delight in him. That's what this is all about. And so he's trying to say, there is that, but I have this for you. So if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a child of God because you follow Jesus, then there is something for you instead. Oh, this is... It's the picture of the kingdom. It's what it's like to be in Christ. And when you make a decision to follow Jesus and you put your faith and hope and trust in him and you say, your will, not my will, and you live every day, even though you make those mistakes, pursuing his will over your own, then you are in Christ because Christ is in you. And right next to every negative thing, God places an instead. And this is the peace that we miss. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Ashes was about wounds and hurt and past betrayal and loss. You ever experienced that? Beauty was what God wants to do with the mess that you made or other people made or just because we live in a broken world was made. And he's saying, I'm bringing beauty instead of ashes. So why are you sitting in your ashes? The oil of joy instead of mourning. Not M-O-R-N-I-N-G, the sunrise morning, but O-M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Morning. The oil of joy instead of mourning. The Holy Spirit that will come. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, he takes the things the enemy is trying to use against you and he'll bring life to that and he'll bring conviction to that and he'll bring power for you to live a godly life to say no to ungodliness and you'll walk in it and because of that, your circumstances can't rob your joy because it's God-given. The oil of joy for mourning. This one, this one is really good. Ready? A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness or depression or worry or anxiety or negative Nancy. Sorry, ladies. Negative people. When you praise, the devil loses his place. When you worship, you can't worry. Why do we come in and we lift up songs? Because he's worthy. Because in that no moment, it's not about us, and we're reminded it's about him. Yeah. And as we do that, the devil just has to sit on the sideline and wait. He'll pick up the lies when we leave, but right now, we're, we're praising. A garment of praise that doesn't just have to happen here can happen when you walk out of here. We don't just worship in church. We worship all day long. A garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Man, I know I'm walking through this, but God has it. And God is good. And because he's good, I'm good. Are you, with, are you with me? Instead of your shame, you'll receive a double portion in a culture where shame just kills us. And addiction runs rampant. A double portion. Instead of shame, I'll take it. I've had shame. Instead of disgrace or humiliation, you'll receive your inheritance. On your worst day, God has a double portion for you. Why do we say that his kindness leads to repentance? Because he's kind. Because he's good. Because instead of the humiliation and disgrace, he brings the inheritance. 
one instead after another. This is a small list, but God makes a point to say it five times. It must mean he means it. Do you know what that means? In Christ, to be in Christ, to have Christ in us, that nothing can ever work against you. (laughs) We could stop there and go home. We probably should. When you're in Christ, nothing can work against you. Because everything raised up against you, God has placed an automatic instead right next to it. Guy that, uh, pastor in England, Graham Cook, said this, all of heaven is attracted to Jesus in you. What does that mean? Well, it means our lives are a magnet for God's blessing. When Jesus is in us, man, God just wants to pour out all that he has. The promises, the blessings, the goodness. And we're, we're busy focused on how much we stink, how bad we are, that we can never measure up. Poor me, I gotta do better. God must hate me. Man, if that's your picture, please don't tell anybody in the world about God. At your lowest point, he'll give you a double portion. At the bottom of the bottom, God is going to stack up the insteads. <laughs> this is going to take root here in a second. Instead of shame, you have a double portion. He knows what the world does to us. And so he's saying, listen, every time the enemy tries to attack, every lie, every difficulty, every trial, every bad time, stack up a bunch of insteads. Double portion. What is God doing in that? Because it's the nature of God, he puts a double portion right next to the thing that always affects us negatively or badly. Instead of that or because of that, I'm giving you twice as much. Isn't that awesome? Boy, he's really not liking you. He's really mad at you because you messed up. You're going to hell. That's sarcasm. I hope you're catching on. Not that there isn't a hell. There is. But for those of us who follow him, he's stacking up the the double portion. And here's how God uses the enemy of our soul. Every time the devil wants to try to attack you, God uses that for his benefit to highlight the opposite of who he is. He lets the devil exist because he knows the more he shows you the negative, you actually have an opportunity to see all the positives of God. You want to know who God is? Look at what the devil's trying to say to you and just start believing the opposite. Look at what he's using against you and start believing for the inheritance and the double portion and then pile it on because God's generous, so be generous to yourself. No, I'd much rather just focus on my bitterness. God, help me with my bitterness. Just got to get better at my bitterness. And God says, I'm going to destroy that shame with such blessing and goodness that you'll forget your shame. Wouldn't that be awesome? Instead of is a powerful thing for God. In place of that, God says, I'm going to do or I'm doing this. Instead of your fear, I'm giving you courage. Instead of your bitterness, I'm going to give you gratitude and then love and then hope. And I mean, he's just stacking it up. What do we do with that? It's there, it's available. 
And he'll always be enough. At your lowest, on your toughest day, he'll give you a double portion. Why? Because he loves you. Because he is love. It's who he is. It's not about you. It's actually never been about you. And it's not about your performance. Oh, thank God. Everybody in the room should just go, and remember the verse as you do, my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We're about to discover why his yoke is easy and his burden is light. We're about to discover why you can just go, because you're about to change your focus. It's not about you. Your, your due, and I've been saying this for a while. I remember what we've been saying, just stop doing. You need to quit the doing and trying. Jesus already did. You can't do enough to have enough to be enough to earn anything God has for you. And so everybody's walking out of here going, well, I don't have to do anything, but I feel like I do. Because we're doers, right? Why did the Father put Jesus into us and us into Jesus? To model this double portion. He's protecting our hearts. For followers of Jesus, there is always going to be an instead. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's bad news, if it's difficulty, if it's loss, whatever it is you're facing, God has something beautiful in the midst of it. And ultimately, folks, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I love you guys a lot, and I enjoy seeing you every Sunday, and I love my family, but the chance to be in heaven with Christ to be with him, that's so much better. John 14, 20, on that day you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. There's always going to be an instead. Part of the joy of going through difficulties and trials is knowing that this difficulty and this trial cannot be here without something else also being here instead. Every time, every time something negative, something that you're struggling with, something that's coming against you shows its head, there's always going to be a, pa- a stack of insteads. All we're going to do is move from one to the other because you don't have to work on your problems anymore. Aren't you tired of working on your problems? I'm not saying you don't have them. We're humans. The enemy hates us. But why work on the difficulty when you can work on something beautiful and wonderful instead? Okay, here's where it switches. Here's the thing that's eluded me for 48 years. You can look at me and call me dumb because you figured it out. That's awesome. Then you should have been shouting it before I found out. I'm not, I just should on you and I'm sorry. That wasn't nice. But this is good news. This is really good news, church. Listen. Why work on shame when you can work on joy? Why work on fear when you can work on courage? Why work on anxiety when you can work on trust? Do you, do you, see, do you see? There's work that we can do, but we've just put all of our energy in working on what we can't fix. <laughs> I, I, I have this, I have this, if I was to make a list, I've got a long list of things I'm working on and I'm struggling with and I wish were different and boy, they just make me think really good about myself, right? 
One of them is that I'm not, I'm not real giving. I wish I was more giving. Anybody have that? Like with my time and my talent? My, I'm just not. My wife is. Now she's going to hate this part because I'm just going to. But man, you can tell God is at work in her because she is generous. And I'm like, ah, do we really want to give that? This, and and I, I lamented. I'm like, ah, God, help me be more giving. I wish I was more giving. I got to get better at giving. Ugh. Have you been there? I'm still not giving or more giving. It's frustrating. And I've been working on it for a long time. You know what I've been doing lately? Boy, this is powerful. I've been processing that you cannot give God. Oh my gosh. And in Luke, he says, given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Luke 6, 36, running over. And I'm like, what? That God is just so giving that I can't outgive God, that he just keeps heaping it on, that when there's one negative that the enemy's trying to use, he piles up a bunch of insteads, that he loves me even when I don't love him back, and that this God gives me life. And he's so giving, and as I begin to focus on that, you know what happens? I just become more generous. Because I'm working on understanding how generous and good God is, and it impacts my heart. I'm discovering the God that I'm, is worth talking about, right? You can have beauty instead of ashes. What if everything isn't terrible? What if everything's not so bad? I mean, I'll just be honest with you. We can always find somebody going through something worse. But what if everything's not so bad? What if the real thing the Lord is saying is that there's something really beautiful in all of this? It may seem real ugly, but that's the devil talking, and you can focus on that, and I'm not sure what that will do for you. Or you can find the beauty that God has in it for you, that he's piling on instead, and he wants to show it to you. We never work on a negative. We exchange it for something else. You don't work on a problem. You exchange it for something else. God's making war on your negativity all through scripture, just so you know. Which side are you going to land on? Are you going to work against him or are you going to work with him? I think the church for so long in our religion has worked against him. Trying to measure up, trying to do what Jesus already did. We never work on negative. Why? Why? Because all your negatives died on the cross. All of them. All your negatives, please hear this. Zero in here with me. Jesus didn't just die for you, he died as you. Everything that was against you, he nailed it to a tree. As a follower of Jesus, we are dead. We are dead to sin and we are dead to the negative. And the Holy Spirit comes along and he isn't teaching you to die, he's teaching you to live. That's what he's there for. So when the Holy Spirit puts his finger on a negative, it's not to condemn you because in Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. He's just highlighting the place where God wants to stack up a bunch of insteads. That's what he's doing. When he looks at you, he doesn't see what's wrong with you. He sees what's missing. And so 1 Peter 2.24 reads differently with those lenses. You ready? He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. 
By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Why? Because he left the 99 to go find you. He loves you that much. I was listening to a pastor uh, preach on my iPods, uh, on, my, on my headphones. I was out on the patio, and, and I hope you give me some freedom to regurgitate somebody else's dream. Can I do that? Because, man, as I listened to this guy's experience... I'm, I was weeping. Natalie came out, and I'm just in tears on the patio. And I got my headphones in. She's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Let me tell you what I was listening to and why I was weeping, and this will get the point across. This particular pastor, he's from England. His name is Graham Cook. For the first 15 years of his life, was kept in his room, was never allowed to come out. The rest of his, his brothers and sisters could, but for whatever reason, his father had zoned in on him and he couldn't leave his room except for when he was asked or told to. And he never got to celebrate a birthday because every birthday his dad would put his presents in the middle of the floor and right in front of him pull a hammer out and break them to pieces. Every Christmas, he said, my dad would let everybody open their presents except me and he would say, if you're good enough, in January you can open them. And then January he'd put them out in the middle of the yard and he'd burn them. He said, for the first 19 years of my life, I never got a present. But on my 19th birthday, I got the best present I could ever get. I got Jesus. My first present ever, my first gift was Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus. And he said, and so in my later years of life, I have dreams about Jesus. And I think God gave me the dreams, he said, because of all the nightmares. Because my life was a nightmare. He said, but in the dreams, it's typical, I'll be in heaven in the dream, and I'll get to see Jesus and talk with Jesus, and he'll point something out, or he'll show me who he is, and we'll laugh, and a lot of times wake up laughing that God just gives him these great dreams to just show who he is. He said, usually in the dream, I'm in this place, there's a lot of food, and I'm eating and enjoying, and I'm waiting on Jesus, and I'll look out, and Jesus is coming, but there's a big crowd around him, and there's children, and there's, there's, everybody's dancing and happy, and Jesus will catch my eye and let me know he's coming. It's just like Jesus, isn't it? Jesus will come in and we'll sit and he'll give me a big hug and he'll just embrace me and I'll know the love and we'll talk. He said, but this time, this particular dream, there wasn't a crowd. And he said, all I heard was the stomping of feet towards the place where I was. And I began to back up because it sounded as he came closer that there was something on his heart that had tension in it. He said, as he burst through the curtains where I was in this place, Remember, this is a dream. Jesus looked at him and he said these words. Give me back my stuff. Give me back my stuff, Graham. You took something that belongs to me. Give them back. He said, I was just, I was so taken back because that's not how it normally goes. And, and I was like, listen, God, everything I have, you gave me. I know that. He goes, no, it's not true, Graham. You took something that belongs to me. It's my stuff, and I want it back. You stole it. Remember, not anger in the voice. Well, what did I take? He said, just in that moment, I'm trying to process, and, 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 and I can see the intensity, and, and what did I take? He said, that anger. That bitterness, that unforgiveness, that jealousy, that humiliation, that shame, give it back. I died for it. I paid a price for it. It belongs to me. 
It doesn't belong to you. Give it back. You can't have it. Don't you get it? Don't you understand it? I took all that from you because I don't want you to have it. Hear this, church. I don't want you to have anything negative. It doesn't belong to you anymore. Give me back my stuff. Graham tells the story that in his tears, he looked at Jesus and he said, I'm so sorry. And in Jesus' tears, he smiled back. And they both cried. And he said, we embraced. And in the midst of the embrace, he said, Jesus said, when I was hanging on that tree, all I could think of was that you would never have to have anything negative ever again. Church, Jesus is saying, in this moment, just remember, I paid a price for it. It's mine, and you can't have it back. The negative consumes us. It just consumes us. Stuff will happen. In our life, stuff will happen, but you have to keep giving it back. No, it's not mine anymore. I'm not focusing on the bitterness. I'm not focusing on the unforgiveness. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to make it about the sin. I'm giving it back. And you keep giving it back. And can I just ask you to process that for a minute? Give it back. If Jesus is asking us that question or making that statement today, what are we doing with it? Do we honestly think that we're going to make what's best better? That what he did in dying for our sins on the cross and all the negative that comes with it, all of the death and all of the destruction and all the... Do we honestly think that we're going to do anything better than what he already did with it? And then come like and say, here, what do you think? And he's going to go, what are you doing with it? Give it back. It's not yours. Stop reminding God about it in your prayers. We can't fix it. Jesus already did. I don't need to be anxious or worried. It's not mine. Jesus has given me something else instead. Welcome to freedom. Welcome to freedom. None of it's yours. What's yours is peace. Try that on for size. Go after that. What's yours is joy, unspeakable and full of glory. What's yours is being loved recklessly. What's yours is patience, and what's yours is gentleness, and what's yours is goodness and meekness and humility and self-control. It's stacked up next to all of the rest of the negative. It's instead. And the Holy Spirit takes everything that belonged to Jesus and he gives it to you. All the good, not the negative, but the good. And he says it's yours. I'm not talking about prosperity. I'm talking about living into our inheritance as children of God. That when circumstances are bad and not what we thought, that there's an instead. That when we mess up and we sin, there's an instead. There's a different thing to focus on. 
We're learning and the Holy Spirit is teaching us. And he's teaching us to be delighted with life. So happy that I don't have to have that focus of working on the bad anymore. Wouldn't that be great? I don't have to work through that stuff anymore. And here's what I want you to get. What the cross is for Jesus, it cannot be for you. To him, it was death, but to you, it's life. To him, it was isolation from God, but to you, it is absolute freedom to come into his presence. You are welcome. He endured the cross so you wouldn't have to. So you wouldn't have to endure one day of shame. You wouldn't have to feel bad about yourself. You wouldn't have to feel alone. You wouldn't have to feel despised. You wouldn't have to feel humiliated. You wouldn't have to feel like you don't measure up. One time. <laughs> so you could know the fullness of Jesus. Well, 1 John four seventeen. as he is, so are we in this world. We are not less than. We are made and being made in God's image, and that's what we have to look forward to. It's his primary purpose to make us like Jesus, not condemn us and destroy us. Whatever comes, whatever happens is happening because God is raising you up, empowering you to be like Jesus. And so I'm going to close with this thought. Made or being made, when we talk about that making us like Jesus, we automatically assume discipline. I need to be more disciplined. I need to muster up the willpower. For the strong-willed, it's easy. For the weak-willed, it's not. But muster it up. And we automatically start thinking discipline. Remember, God, when he looks at you, doesn't see what's wrong with you. He sees what's missing. Don't start anything from a discipline. God doesn't want you disciplined. <laughs> I could just leave it at that, and I'm, I'm just about out of time, but let me just say it. I'm praying, Ephraim, my brother, that God would help me be more disciplined to love you. How does that feel? <sighs> right? Don't start anything from a discipline. God doesn't want you disciplined. He doesn't want you to even practice discipline. Are you, are you getting this? Man, this is gonna just... <sighs> Choke is easy and his burden is light. He wants you to practice delight. You can actually stop working on it. Stop working on all those things you've been working on. There is an instead to all those things. But what you ought to do, what we ought to do is just focus on delight. God, I just want to enjoy you more. I want to, I want to desire you over everything else, and I don't. Forgive me. You're way better than anything this world offers. When you live in that world, even if that's all you're praying, man, God is working in your heart. Because there's a willingness in you to love God. I don't work out out of discipline. That's why I don't work out. Hello. People who work out because they love to work out, that's more true, and they'll do it more. That's why I don't do it. I don't love it. I actually hate it. Now, I'll make that New Year's resolution like you and get that gym membership in January that you're done using by March. 
because the willpower doesn't last. But if you love it, man, it'll last, won't it? Delighted people always do whatever they want because they are delighted. It's like what Carl said a couple months ago when he said, love God and do what you want. And everybody's like, you can't just love God and do whatever you want. No, you missed the point. When you love God, what you do is what he wants anyway. Because when you delight yourself in the Lord, he gives you the desires of your heart. So love God and then do what you want. I don't run out of discipline or work out out of discipline because I don't actually love it. Discipline is the outcome of delight. Just so you know, it's not the beginning. But boy, in religion, it's always the beginning. Got to read my Bible more and just pray more and just talk to people about Jesus and have more meaningful conversations and be nice to people and be present and be, oh Lord, I'm stressed out. Discipline. It is not the beginning of delight, it is the outcome of delight. That when I delight in something, I will be disciplined in it. I do it because I'm happy to do it. And we do it for the sure joy of doing it because we love God, because God first loved us. And so what we want, and that's why he's saying give it back, because this is keeping us from this. It's keeping us from delight. So he's saying, give it back because I need you focused on delight, not discipline. So stop working on this and work on delight. Are you capturing this? We want our lives to be a delight, not a discipline. And it starts with give Jesus back his stuff. Give it back. You have the favor of God because Jesus is in you. And whatever he has belongs to you and whatever he is, you get to become the good. Because the sin and the bad was nailed to a cross and it's gone. And the Holy Spirit is here to teach us to live. Isaiah 61, 7, we read it a minute ago, the last part of the passage. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, in your heart. And everlasting joy will be yours when you delight. When you delight. And so give it back. Give it back. Because on the other side of giving it back, as you pick up and instead, you'll discover that you can delight. And when you delight, you'll fall in love with God and his word, being with him and talking about him. And it just will come. I see that in people. That's what I want. So I get on my knees every day and say, God, help me to want you more. Give me a desire for you like I've never had. Let, I, let me desire you over everything else. And there's lots of desire in this world, isn't there? Man, in the process, God is opening up my heart to so much, to him. And it's changing me. Here's what I would ask you this morning. How many have something that isn't yours? You're a follower of Jesus. And you took it thinking you could fix it. And you've been focusing on it and working on it thinking you could make it better. Better than dealt with by Jesus on the cross. Fixed, dead. Never to impact you in the negative again. If you'll just pick up the instead. How many of you are sitting here saying, man, I've got some things that I need to give back? If that's you, look, look, I'm not going to do a head bowed, eyes closed. Look around. This is most of us in the room going, yeah, uh, it's me. Would would you all stand with me? Here's what I want to do. 
I grew up in the church. I can't tell you how many things I've physically nailed something to a wooden cross. Anybody else in? You know what I'm saying? Good Friday, they have the big cross in the room, and you write something down, you go up and you nail it to the cross, and you took it back to your seat with you. You just had a really cool experience. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's no wooden cross here today. I love the cross. I love the freedom that it brought me. I love the grave more. I love resurrection. I love that there was an instead. Instead of death, there's life. Instead of fear, there's courage. Instead of bitterness, there's gratitude. I mean, I mean, we don't even know the opposite of some of this stuff that we're focusing on. We have focused on it so long. God just wants to show you the opposite. That's what I would ask you to do. I'm not going to put up a cross and say nail it because we'll just nail it. We'll forget to do the most important thing, which is take the instead. Take the instead. And it may not come to you in this moment. I believe God wants to reveal the instead to us. I think we've been so focused on the negative, we don't even know it's opposite. It's positive, which is your inheritance, which is your blessing, which is your promise, which is life, which is Jesus and not religion. And so today, what I'd love for us to do, because he is, he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and he is present, is to give it back. And I think that give it back is a prayer of God, forgive me for taking what wasn't mine. Thank you for nailing it to a cross and setting me free. But show me the opposite. Reveal the instead. And guys, listen, listen good. It's not just one thing. God is going to be generous. And then pray the instead. Work on the instead. Work on the delight. I'll become a better giver when I understand God is a generous God who loves us and just keeps, and just, just unbelievable how much he's given. So God, just in this moment, I pray for our church. I don't know that this message is being preached loud to our world. And boy, it needs to start in the church. And it will take a while to get it because we've been so good at working on this stuff as if we could do it better. But Jesus, we just submit to the fact that you did it. You paid the price once and for all. You died on a cross for our sin. And in that moment, we died with you as followers of Jesus. And so our sin died in that moment. And I pray that as we understand what it means to come alive through the resurrection of Christ, that we didn't just die with Jesus, but we rose with Jesus, that though the enemy may try to trip us up and though we may stumble, there is always an instead. There is always something you're wanting to do in us, something missing. And God, may that be the focus of our hearts. May we relinquish shame and pick up joy. And may we learn what kind of joy you have to offer and work on understanding it and living in it and experiencing it. I pray that for every person in this room. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name, amen.